everybody. What's up, everybody? Really? Do you like that? No, I don't like that. No, you don't like that. Yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Tell Me Darling. Boring intro because Phil doesn't like it when I put little Zaz in. No. Nah. I'm full of beans today. You are full of beans. Bzz, bzz. Um, anyway, welcome back to Tell Me Darling, true crime podcast where I tell my husband true crime stories. And sometimes he says shit. Sometimes he nods. We just don't know what we're going to get. Is that really how you start in the intro? Yeah, what's okay, wrong cool. with that? No, I'm cool. going in with like it today. It. What's up, guys? Like <laughs> We're back. I told you, I'm full of energy. No cuts today. I'm going straight through. Please do. I would like that a lot. Mm, what a week. What a week. How are you going, Phil? Phil has been single dad mode yeah. the last few days. I've been back since Friday, though, so it is Tuesday, so you need to calm down. I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you said I didn't say shit about it. I wasn't complaining. Uh, um, but yeah, no, you're right. The la- I feel like the last month I've been playing single dad. Okay. I was gone for three days, New whoa, Balance. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, you went on a cruise for four days. That was in September. That was in August. No, it's October. Yeah. That no, wasn't it's not. August. No. It's September. It was September. You went on a cruise for four days. You came back. In August. Then you got sick for a week. Uh, that's not my fault. And then you're back for a little while and then you went away for another three days. Felt mm. like four days. Okay. Oh, and guess who's going away to Melbourne tomorrow? Me, guilty. Cuff me. It's me. I'm going yeah. away. <laughs> Only for a night. I'll be gone for 24 hours. No, you're leaving tomorrow morning. You're back till Thursday night, you Don't said. Don't act like you're not going to be like busy anyway. Hmm. Look, anyway, girls, I love girls got friends. Girls got things to do, yeah, well, places I'm just, to be. I'm preparing for when I am a single dad. <laughs> just joking I'm not don't ever leave me and I won't leave you but I did tell the child I did tell the girls at childcare because they're like oh where's Jess been and I'm like oh yeah she's been away they're like oh you know she looks like she's having fun and I was yeah. like oh yeah it's work blah 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 and I said so uh feel free to come around whenever you want to look after my kids <laughs> ew they loved it honey ew they loved it ew that's so gross. It wasn't. It wasn't in a gross way. You know how it is. I'm yeah, the, I do know. I'm the childcare daddy. They love me there. Okay. Anyway, they love you <laughs> when you pay. Oh. Anyway, I have been away. I am heading to Melbourne today, Wednesday, tomorrow, today, whatever day you're listening. On mm-hmm. Wednesday, I'll be jet setting on a plane, and it's only for 24 hours. Just gonna support a girlfriend and, you know, have some fun, for 24 hours. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And then we'll be back straight into it. Into what? Into life with each other. Mm-hmm. How humbling. Um, what else What else you got? Anything? Um, nah, not much. <laughs> okay. Oh, why don't you tell everyone about your shoes? Yeah, they're sick. Oh, my God. If you're watch, not New watching Balance on YouTube. 480s, bro. These are just... Just say you're retired and you're ready to play golf. No, I look, I could have gone full yeah. dad mode, but I didn't. What's the difference? What do you mean? You can see the difference. These are just gangster. Look at them. I'm looking. Look at your shoes. Converse All-Stars. Exactly. He's way better. Say so what I said. <laughs> I know you did. Well, I've got some... Okay. <laughs> so last week, we've been talking about this segment, right? Where we want you guys to get involved so that we can hear like stories and comments and whatever. We need a name for it, mm-hmm. don't we? Yes. So last week, we had a few suggestions. Nothing really stood out except for one, which was Darling Diaries. I didn't mind that one. I didn't love it. Anyway, we've had some more submissions this week. Did and I see someone on YouTube? Did someone write a comment on YouTube? Yes. That's where I've seen some and mm-hmm. they were pretty cool. They were? Mm-hmm. I will have to check those out because I didn't get around to it. I have been reading the question boxes though. Okay. okay? So, we've got a few more which I'm going to throw at you mm-hmm. and I feel like we've got one. Okay. I think we've got one that I'm like, yeah, when I read it, I was like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I could say that. 
So let's go through some of the ones that didn't quite make the cut, just just to put it out there. Okay. Teacher's pet. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This one I really think is cool, but I'm not going to use it. But it's called, oh, she suggested it was from Jody. She suggested fill us in, but P H I L. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. fill I like us that. in. Yeah. Which I think would be good if it was like your segment. Yeah. Like if you were doing a whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. we could do that. Like, hey, fill us in. How was, your week? How was your week? And you could just like cry about being a single dad or whatever. Please. <laughs> Let us know if you guys want that included. What? Phil being a single dad? No, fill oh. us in. Fill us in. Serial um, chats. Oh, yeah. Weekly case files. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me the deets. Mm-hmm. Darling deets. Mm. Darling, uh, darling deets. Oh, two, two of those. Your turn to tell us, darling. Um, tell us, darlings. Tell me, darlings. Or spill the tea, darling. I think these were a few the same as last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the front runners was Dear Darlings, yep. which I love. I do love that, but I know why I love it. And it's because Murder With My Husband, which is another podcast that I love, they have a Dear Daisy segment. Daisy is their dog, but it's called Dear Daisy. Mm. And like listeners send in, I think it's like um, stories or something. It's like a a, a bonus episode that they do, yeah. Um, which is why I think I was like, I love Dear Darlings because subconsciously it reminded me of Dear Daisy. Okay. So that one's out because... It's too close. It's mm-hmm. too close. We've got to keep it separate. But I did love that one. But there were so many of those anyway. So, couldn't give out vouchers to anyone. So, the one that I think we're going to go with, which I really like. Is it a new one? It's a new one. Oh, okay. Yeah, we haven't heard it. Do you want to do a drum roll? If you're in your car, tap on your steering wheel right now. Insert some drum rolls. Is the Darling Dish. Darling Dish. The Darling Dish. I mean, okay. You know, people can dish out. Some stuff and dish out some stories, dish out some comments. I thought it was cool and I like it, and I feel like it's easy to say. The yeah. darling dish. <laughs> I don't love it, but you don't <laughs> you, love you it? Like it. That's cool. Yeah. What? I was like, I'm really waiting for something like boom, and me to be like, fuck yeah. But that was darling dish. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, I like. I like it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> what that, else? What else do we have? That didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Sorry for whoever said that. In like, it's good, but it's just not. You really talked it up, but like you set the bar. Yeah, because I thought it was good. What it's else? like what I wanted. I wanted like two yeah, two words, something easy to say. Yep. Hey, guys, it's time for this week's Darling Dish. Right. Easy, smooth. Well, what else? Our name what else is there? Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't really go as far as to go <laughs> to the next thing. Um, um, nothing. All right, Darling Dish it is. Let's get darling on with it. Darling Dish it is. What's All the right. dish? Are we ready for this week's Darling Dish? See, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I like it. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm going to start off this week with a story that someone sent oh, in okay. in cool. a comment, right? And this was from Christy mm. and she sent me a message yesterday and it goes like this, okay? I was thinking about you guys the last couple of days. I had a situation where I was a little oh hang on where i was a little like yep i'm gonna die and my kids will be murdered oh wow crazy right Mm -hmm. i live in a town and often get people knocking on my door for donations or offering the latest government freebie hasn't happened for so long due to my big c which i think is either a c-section or 
Oh, due to the big C, COVID. COVID. (laughs) Idiot. So maybe I was a little bit out of touch or distracted, but a man knocked at my door with a lanyard around his neck and offered me free door trims and a shower head under the government incentive. He had a strong accent that I struggled a little to understand, and I guess due to my frustration at this and the three kids in the background doing their thing and my phone ringing, I let him in without really understanding what it was he was offering or what he was doing. Damn. Anyway... As he got to work and wandered through my house taking photos of my doors and bathroom ETC without asking me, I thought, this is it. What have I done? I don't know this guy. I don't know what he said properly. I don't know his company. So I bravely asked who was it and who he worked for. Mm -hmm. He told me a name I hadn't heard. I asked to see his ID, which he politely did. However, in all my bravery and courage, it really all meant nothing to me. It could have been anyone. Mm -hmm. I ended up making the kids play close to the front door and I had my phone in my hands while he was in my home for a long 45 minutes. It's a long time. I kept going to him and asking, how are you going? Of course, it all ended up being fine and I'm obviously alive and I Googled the company when he left and it's all above board. But I couldn't help but think I'd done what I cringe over other people doing in some of the true true crime stories I've heard. We bag out the stupidity, generally speaking, of people letting... People for letting in strangers without checking their credentials and then it's all too late. In this situation, I was so distracted with the busyness of life and I trusted this strange man straight up. I mean, I actually can't believe I'd let him in. In the future, do we just say no or do we have a checklist of questions to ask before they come in? Should I have rung his supervisor before I opened the door to let him in? Could that be a fake could that be fake too? How do we know what's real and what's not? Where do we draw the line? How do we handle these situations? The end. Wow. Crazy. That is crazy. This is like, you probably don't relate to this. Yeah. Because I can imagine you in this situation being like, yeah, man, go. And you would go and edit. But this is like the thing. No, me. Like if someone was just coming in, they're like, hey, man, we're here to do this. Blah, blah, blah. You're like, cool. Okay, whatever. You let them in. You'd sit down and you wouldn't really give it a second thought if you decided to let this person in is what I'm saying. I think you, I wouldn't I wouldn't let him in. I don't know that you wouldn't. You, honey, you know me. Who I am the most... What's the word? How do I say it? I'm the most suspect person <laughs> on people. Like yeah. I don't trust the motherfucker okay, regardless. And maybe. you know my... You know how good my instincts are with people. Yes, you are very it's, good. Um, And I would not... First number one, if you come through my gate without like you talk to me at my front front <laughs> gate before you even think about coming to my front door. Nobody does that. If they were to come to my front door without like trying to yell out from the gate, straight up. See you later, buddy. I don't think so. I don't care what they're selling. I think you're lying. No, nah, I would okay. not let a motherfucker. Anyway, in. it just goes to show like but this. But it is good. Sorry. I just want to say <laughs> it is good. She was on guard straight away. Yes. The kids close to the front door, yes. phone ready to go so they could just bounce if something was to go down very good but what i was trying to say is it's crazy that this is what goes through women's minds in literally like most scenarios we are always inside our heads like on the defense like Mm -hmm. oh my god where's my exit plan if something happened right now what window or what door am i running out of i do that all the time i actually do it with tsunamis we when was last time we were in a tsunami literally never but <laughs> but whenever I'm somewhere, I'm like, if there's a tsunami right now, where am I going? Where am I running? How am I getting all my three Hold kids out of here? Literally. But anyway, I'm just saying like, that's what, that's what chicks do. Right. So anyway, I hope you like that. That was like a short one. And yeah. it actually sets us up for our story today, oh, which cool. is really ex- not exciting, but kind of coincident- coincidental as yeah. I was reading it. We should get into it because I feel it's been a long 
sort of been a long intro. Right. But I'm sure people love that. Okay. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I'll just go fuck myself no, no, no. and cut out all of the <laughs> other stuff I was like, going to talk oh, about I today. I can get to the story. Rightio then. Let's get to the story. And if you have a problem with that, you can take it up with Phil. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have more stuff to talk about? No, it's fine. I'll carry on. No, no. Go on. Say it. Hurry up. What do you have to say? I've closed my phone down now. Just so, again, people, if you have a problem with that, take <laughs> it up with Phil and I will, no. I will address it next what week. What did you have to all say? All right. Look, no, we're going to move on. I've decided. Okay. So, as you guys know, last week... I was away. I was at the Gold Coast mm-hmm. at a conference and Lucky I you. was very, shut the fuck up. I was very excited to stay in a hotel room by myself for three mm-hmm. nights and just get the best three nights sleep. Uh, but it turns out I am a pussy and I didn't enjoy it at all. Couldn't sleep and I was scared the whole night. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an enjoyable experience for me. And it got me thinking because I was like, someone's going to break in here and kill me, murder me. Like, I'm sure it happens. So I was like, does it happen? I need to know. Mm. And that is what led me to today's case. Okay. It is a bit different in terms of um, it wasn't like a female um, in a hotel room alone because I'm going away tomorrow and I was like, I can't freak myself out like that. Mm-hmm. So I've gone like a different route, but that's where we're at. So when we conjure up images of hotels, it's often synonymous with luxury. <laughs> I knew I was going to stumble Get on that right. word. Come I on. don't know why I put it in there. Synonymous yes. with luxury. Well done. Relaxation and a sanctuary of comfort. We place our trust in these havens, assuming that within the walls of a well-known establishment, safety is an unwavering companion. We let our guard down, surrendering ourselves to the embrace of opulence, confident and nothing could disrupt our sense of security. Yet there are moments when the unthinkable occurs, a murder, a sinister act that shatters the tranquility of these revered sanctuaries, leaving behind a trail of questions and an unsettling sense of vulnerability. In these moments, we're confronted with the stark reality that even in the most refined and esteemed locations, the fragility fragility of our sense of security can be profoundly tested. Are you ready to get into today's case? Tell me, darling. Did you like that I little did like setup? That. Yeah, that was good. I know I've stopped doing the setups at the start, but I felt like maybe we should bring them back. Yeah, I think so. Like this. I liked it too. So, in the vibrant autumn of 1998, Atlanta, Georgia continued to radiate as a beacon of Southern hospitality and cultural diversity. The city's magnetic appeal drew individuals from far and wide, all eager to experience its warm embrace. At the core of this bustling metropolis lay a thriving tourism industry, offering an array of captivating experiences to its visitors. On one particular weekend of October 1998, sports enthusiasts converged to witness thrilling matchups like the New Orleans Saints against the Atlanta Falcons at the Georgia Dome and the intense college football clash pitting Georgia Tech against Virginia. Concurrently, a lacrosse convention brought enthusiasts together from all corners, furthering enhancing Atlanta's spirited atmosphere. I just need to dive in here and just quickly say that my eyes are playing up already and my my vision's a bit blurry. So if I trip on my words today, I'm really sorry. We want results, no excuses. (laughs) Okay. Amongst the... Sorry, skipped it already. So amongst the festivities, one iconic landmark stood out, capturing the fascination of tourists. 
the Hilton Hotel. It proudly held the title of the largest hotel in the Southern Hemisphere at the time, featuring an impressive 34 floors and 1,242 rooms. Revered for its opulent accommodations, impeccable service and a remarkable rooftop pool that offered awe-inspiring panoramic views of the city, the Hilton Hotel became a cherished haven for travellers seeking luxury during their stay in Atlanta. On the morning of Sunday, the 18th of October, a maid who worked for the Hilton Hotel was doing her morning housekeeping rounds on the 24th floor. She reached room 2417 and knocked, but with no answer, she figured it was empty and so she used her swipe card to let herself in. As she walked into the room, she was met with a horrifying sight. The bodies of three men were on the floor and they were dead. The men were laying face down in their underwear, shoulder to shoulder, and all appeared to have been shot execution style in the head. Damn. She immediately leaves the room and calls the Hilton security, who then immediately call 911. You asked me for my thoughts? I was just pausing just in case, because last week you told me I didn't stop talking and Um, that you couldn't get a word in. Yeah, execution style. Where are we? Atlanta, Georgia, did you say? Atlanta, Georgia, at the the Hilton Hotel. In the ATL. Um, I have a feeling, yeah, it's, it's obviously drug money related, cartel, something, execution, didn't pay up, dead. Ooh. The end. The end. Okay. Should I keep going? <laughs> or, or it's like some crazy chick and it's like her husband, her side dude <laughs> and like the ex and she's just had enough of men and she's just shot just them all. shot them all. Okay. Yeah. That's extreme. <laughs> yeah. okay. But, you know, we all have theories. As the crime scene unit, sorry, going back. It wasn't long before detectives arrived and an investigation began. They noted three men lying dead on the floor, one one African-American male and two white males. All three men had been shot in the back of the head twice. There was blood splatter everywhere and the room had been torn apart. There was no sign of forced entry or of a murder weapon and all of the men's jewellery, including watches and rings and their wallets, including their IDs, were missing. So detectives wonder if this was a targeted hit or a robbery gone bad. And the big question, why these men? Why this hotel? Mm. As the crime scene unit descended upon the chilling scene, they embarked on a quest for answers, meticulously collecting every trace of evidence they could find. Blood samples, hair and fibres were carefully catalogued while the room's very essence was captured through crime scene photography and precise precise measurements, preserving the details for future examination. Mm. Disappointingly, there was no traces of DNA and no fingerprints. They did, however, uncover scattered shell casings, all originating from a .45 calibre semi-automatic handgun. Mm -hmm. Each casing was an eerie echo of the other suggesting that a single firearm had claimed the lives of all three men with wallets missing detectives sought the hilton's management's assistance requesting the hotel registration records to unmask the identities of the room's occupants which they soon identified as 50 year old jared shropshire 51 year old ronald gitkowski and 31 year old philip dover Wow, that's a 50-year-old, 50-year-old and 30-year-old. Yes. 50, 51 and 31. Okay. Um, before Gikowski. you go any further, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a hotel. It's the Hilton. Yes. One of the best of the best. Yes. So what, 1998? Yes. Surely they'd have cameras in there at this time? That they do, All right, my young cool. sir. Um, and, okay, well, I'm interested. I want to know what's going on. Okay. And what's the relation between these men if there's... I'll get to that. Okay. So Gerald and Ronald worked together in the trucking business and were friends who had come to Atlanta for a fun weekend where they met up with Philip. 
They were family men, good, happy, kind, and had no enemies. They weren't the kind mm. of men to be involved with the mob or drugs or anything suspicious that would lead to a triple homicide. When the news reaches the families of the three men, they are devastated. Gerald's daughter would be the one to receive the heartbreaking news of her father's murder, a phone call that nobody should ever have to endure. She fondly recalls her father as a man who effortlessly forged connections wherever they went. He had friends everywhere. Described as fun, loving and charismatic, he had an innate ability to attract people, someone you could always count on and turn to in times of need. The heart-wrenching news of her husband's murder was delivered to Ronald's wife, Alice, known affectionately as Ronnie by both family and friends. He was a devoted family man who cherished his role as a father to their children. Professionally, he had achieved success as an executive within a prominent shipping company. Furthermore, Ronnie was a devout Catholic and played an active role with his church community. Finally, the heart-wrenching news of Philip's murder was painfully received by his mother. Philip was known for being a people person, a fantastic brother who easily connected with others. He held a high-ranking position in a Georgia company and had a knack for lifting spirits when someone was feeling down. He had a natural zest for life and believed in spreading happiness wherever he went. Ronald's wife Alice had told investigators that he, along with Jared, had left for Atlanta the day before to meet with Philip to talk business and enjoy the weekend together. Mm-hmm. As investigators continue on with their investigation, the hotel provides them with the room key swipe information, which shows that the last entry to the room 2417 was at 2 a.m. Wow. The bodies were found at 9 a.m., which leaves a seven-hour window for the murders. They then begin canvassing the 24th floor. After all, there are other rooms and other guests in the hotel and maybe somebody saw something or heard something. Investigators are able to speak with one man who was staying on the same floor. He tells investigators that he heard what he believed to be gunshots at around 2.30 a.m., but he never reported it and never called it in. Why? Was it that, um, what do you call it, that what we spoke about in that other case? That um, where you hear things, uh, but you bystander might think, effect. Yeah, you think someone else is going to do it, or, or maybe it was like not my business. Yeah, it could have been like not my business. Could have been like, did I actually hear that? Yeah. Is that what I heard? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just you never know. He could yeah. have just been not my business kind of thing as well. Fortunately, the hotel did have cameras yep. in 1998. The surveillance systems were different obviously back then and slower and it was a slower retrieval process so they could get the footage but it would take about 48 hours for investigators to receive it from the security a long time yeah okay yeah uh in the meantime investigators continue to try and find any potential leads in the murder investigation and while speaking to philip dover's family there was an interesting discovery oh shit Philip's boss had given him three tickets to that weekend's big event, the Atlanta Falcons versus the Saints game. The game was scheduled for 1pm that Sunday afternoon at the Dome, which happened to be the exact time that investigators were still in the hotel room piecing together the information and the crime scene uh, and the exact same time that they learnt about the tickets. So where were the tickets? They scoured the room looking for these tickets, but they were nowhere to be found, which painted the question, did the murderer take the tickets? Mm. And if they did, are they at <gasps> the they game that was happening seats? right now? Oh, yes. Shit. 
So immediately they reach out to Philip's boss to find out what seat numbers the tickets held but by the time they were able to retrieve that information the game was over. Still they head to the dome and they meet with the security team there. The first thing they need to determine is whether or not the tickets had been used and after a quick check they had. The tickets had been used on the day of the game. So now we have this person who somehow crossed paths with Philip, Gerald or Ronald or all three, Uh managed to get into their hotel room, shot all of them execution style, robbed them and then went to the football game using the tickets from the three people they just murdered less than 12 hours earlier. That's crazy. That is cold hearted. That is ice cold. I reckon um, I've got a new new theory. Lay it on me. I reckon it's this... um, so they might not be gang related shit, but it'd just be some gang banging in the ATL that's done it, I reckon. In the ATL? Yeah. So they call it Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. So TI's from ATL. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe it was TI. No, no, when I was my boy act like that. Didn't he go to jail for gun charges? Just no, armed possessions. He didn't shoot mm, Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> maybe this is maybe this, this is story better not be related <laughs> back. No. No, hell no. Surprise, bitch. Okay. Investigators work with the security to see if it is possible to see video surveillance footage of that particular seating section. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, after reviewing the video footage, they couldn't see that particular seating assignment they were looking for. And the investigators are basically back to square one. By now, news of the murder had spread not only throughout the Hilton Hotel, but the city of Atlanta. It became national news. People were in shock and also frightened, especially as so many tourists were in town for that particular weekend, but even the locals were concerned. They were used to seeing crime in other types of hotel establishments, but not the Hilton. 48 hours into the investigation, the investigators get the news that the security footage from the Hilton is ready and they waste no time. They watch the footage and together they see video of three men, of the three men, checking in. Not much happens throughout the day, but as the video reaches 2am on October 18th, the day of the crime, they notice Philip Dover alive and walking into the elevator bay area carrying a bag of chips he had just purchased from the snack bar in the lobby of the hotel. What time was this, sorry? 2am. Okay. And waiting for one of the elevators to arrive. So he's gone to the lobby, got a little snack, Mm -hmm. chips, whatever, walked back to the lobby. Okay. Just just chilling, went for a lift. Yep. He's standing at the elevator and then he appears to be having a conversation with an unidentified black male who was wearing a baseball cap and they enter the elevator together. Philip goes to the 24th floor and swipes into his room. An hour later, the same unidentified black male wearing the baseball hat exits the elevator on the ground floor and walks through the elevator bay carrying a suitcase, a garment bag and an ice cooler as he exits the hotel. Hmm. Hmm. Thoughts? So, well, you're not telling me what level this unidentified man got off at. Well, the swipe card swipes to the lift and Phillips press the 24th floor. Yeah. That's all they know from the swipe card information. But they, the cameras aren't showing. Obviously, they're going to... There's gonna... no cameras in the lift. What? And there's no cameras in on the floor, only from the lobby. What type of So they can it? see them going into the elevator and they can see the black male exiting the elevator. Oh, okay. Well, that's so silly. I thought lit cameras in elevators for sure. Mm-hmm. And then they, if there was, and they would have been like, okay, cool. What level did the unidentified yeah. dude get off at? I'm saying he's got off with Phil. Well, no other level or card was swiped. So he's got off with Phil. We'll have to see, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> 
So now investigators have their first potential suspect, but the video is blurry. I mean, it's 1998 and so there's no like real clear visual of the man's face and they had no idea who he is. So it still feels like a needle in a haystack, but it's something. In an attempt to break down the video and enhance it, they send the security footage to NASA. Wow. Do you know what NASA stands for? NASA? Yeah, it's the... Um, Come I've, on. I've, no, I've done this before. You can do it. National... National? A Mary... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Mary, a National Astronaut... Oh, God, I don't know. What's it stand for? <laughs> the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Yeah, I knew that. NASA. Yeah, okay. <laughs> At the time, NASA had the most highly technical equipment known to mankind, and they hoped that NASA would be able to enhance the footage so that they could see the face of the man seen leaving the elevator. If they could identify who this man was, they could figure out possibly who the killer was because at the moment this is their number one suspect. Yep. Unfortunately, after several attempts, a positive identification was not able to be achieved from the security footage, even by NASA. But not all was lost. What NASA were able to tell investigators about the man was his approximate height and his approximate weight. They did this by calculating the measurements off the elevator where the man was seen standing next to Philip Dover in the video footage and compared it to his height in the video. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I mean, I could look at someone easily and think about how, what their height and weight is. Well, the camera is like from an angle, yeah. so they don't, you can't really see their real height. So they went in and measured the lift okay. and then worked out where he was standing yep. and did it that way, which mm. I think is pretty cool. Yep. It's pretty cool. Sorry, we can't, we're not all just a walking tape measure. It's not about, it's not that. It's what just, are you? I'm a genius. Five nine? Please, See, mate, I don't you know, know I am. You know, I'm know. six three, okay. full muscle boy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nah, six two. <laughs> With news spreading and not much to go on, the people of Atlanta were scared. You know, back in 1998, Atlanta was on the rise as a top convention city in the country. The bustling hotels and businesses were thriving, and tourism was booming. But everything changed when those three men, Gerald, Philip, and Ronald, were found shot execution style at the Hilton Hotel. It was a shock to the city and it sent shockwaves throughout the district's attorney's office and the investigators involved in the case. The pressure on them was immense. The chief of police and the mayor's office was breathing down their necks and for good reason. They didn't want the brutal crime to tarnish Atlanta's reputation. The last thing they wanted was for people to think that there was a killer on the loose right in the heart of the city's hotel and business district. Every day since the discovery of those bodies felt like an eternity. The investigators worked tirelessly, following up on every small lead that they could find. News outlets were reporting on the case daily. Meanwhile, investigators couldn't figure out which direction to go, and they hadn't ruled anything out either. Mm -hmm. It was a real mystery, and it seemed like the case was heading towards becoming a cold case. Imagine the stress of those investigators and the district attorney's office like must have felt. They had to balance the pressure to solve the case quickly with the need to ensure they got it right. Like the city was watching and the stakes were high. Yeah. Investigators decide that maybe they need to expand their search a little and see what comes up. They start by reaching out to neighbouring police districts and tell them to basically look out for any of the missing items from the crime scene, be aware if they come across anyone carrying a 45 caliber handgun and be on the lookout for anyone matching the description of the man in the videotape. Two weeks after the murders, okay, a Memphis police officer was doing a routine traffic stop mm -hmm. and after this stop, he places a call to the investigators investigating this case. 
He tells them that he had pulled over a 45-year-old African-American man for speeding. And this is where it gets interesting. During the stop, the officer did their usual protocol and asked the man if he was carrying any firearms or illegal drugs in the vehicle. To his surprise, he said yes. He pointed to where his firearm was located in the car and the officer safely retrieved it. It turned out to be a 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun, mm-hmm. the exact type of weapon used in the Atlanta Hilton murders. There's probably lots of them around. Maybe. But here's the twist. Mm-hmm. This Memphis police officer had seen the still photos from NASA that the Atlanta law enforcement had circulated. He thought that the guy he'd pulled over bore a striking resemblance to the person in those pictures. So he was on high alert and suspicious of this man he'd just stopped for speeding. Mm-hmm. With his suspicions running high, the officer decided to conduct a vehicle search and what he found was nothing short of explosive for the Atlanta murder case. In the trunk of the car, tucked away in a carry bag, were the driver's licenses of Gerald, Ronald and Philip. Wow. It was a shocking discovery that suddenly breathed new life into a case that had been heading towards a cold trail. So the driver of that vehicle, the man who had been stopped for speeding with the suspicious firearm, turned out to be Timothy Carl Dawson. Now, Dawson had a rap sheet that included violent crimes, which immediately put him on law enforcement's radar. Mm -hmm. He was transferred from Memphis to Atlanta, where he was brought in for questioning by police. Here's where it gets even more interesting. All right. Despite the serious nature of the accusations, Dawson's demeanor was oddly casual throughout the whole process. It was as if he didn't have a care in the world, even though he was being questioned about multiple murders. It became apparent to investigators that they would be getting, wouldn't be getting a confession out of him, so they had to rely on solid evidence from the crime scene to make their case. Well, there's a gun and three licenses. Yes. Has that not enough evidence? I didn't say it wasn't enough. Oh, okay. I was just saying that he, this guy's not confessing. So they're like, all right, we just need to rely on evidence here okay. because that's yeah, yeah. not going to get us. Yeah. So the detectives delve into the evidence collected from the Hilton Hotel room. Ballistics findings were a pivotal piece of the puzzle here. They revealed that the recovered gun matched the casings found in the hotel room. It was a critical link connecting Dawson to the murder weapon. But that wasn't all. The investigators made another significant discovery. Gerald Shropshire's blood was found on the cap that Dawson had been wearing. This was another damning piece of evidence that tied Dawson to the crime scene. And then there was the DNA evidence, the kind of stuff you see on TV crime shows. DNA from all three victims was found in the muzzle of Dawson's gun. Wow. It was as if the pieces of the puzzle were falling into place. Mm-hmm. One former homicide investigator for the Atlantic Police Department, Brett Zim. Zimmerick, put it bluntly, the DNA, the gun, the hat, overwhelmingly puts him at the crime scene at the time of the murder. Yeah. It was a turning point in the case and it seemed like justice might finally be served for Gerald, Philip and Ronald. So now investigators finally had Timothy Carl Dawson in custody. They couldn't help but reflect on the grim reality of the case. The weight of a triple murder is something that doesn't fade easily and the eerie efficiency with which Dawson had calmly entered and exited room 2417 that fateful night raised some unsettling questions. It made them wonder, could this have been the first time he was committing such a heinous act? What murderer executes a triple murder on their very first try? Mm. What are your thoughts on that? I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's pretty 
brutal. And he's he's not running from the hotel room. He's yeah. calmly walking out as if he's done nothing. Yep. And like execution style. Yep. That's pretty intense. Oh, the hell yeah. And they're in their underwear. Hmm. You know? What's going on? Yeah. It just yep. seems like it's not someone that like panicked and shot someone. Yep. You know? So, these questions gnawed at the detectives and it led them to dig deeper into Dawson's background. They had to consider the possibility that he might have done something like this before. Mm -hmm. So, they reached out to other jurisdictions and other police departments and asked if they'd had any unsolved cases that bore even the slightest resemblance to the Hilton Hotel murders. And as fate would have it, they struck upon something that sent shivers down their spines. Just three days before the Hilton murders, in a hotel not far from downtown Atlanta in College Park, another victim had suffered a similar fate. This victim had been killed, robbed and left in nothing but his underwear. It was too eerily similar similar to be coincidence. Mm -hmm. The detectives obtained a copy of the file for this previous case and were met with chilling parallels. The victim was found in a hotel room, shot with a large caliber pistol, and like the Hilton victims, the, his ID was missing, a clear sign of robbery. It was like deja vu, and it was undeniable that they were dealing with something far more sinister. Wow. The first thing they did was get the bullet casings from this new case tested, and the results were conclusive. The ballist- ballistic test revealed that the same gun had been used in both crimes. Now they had four bodies in two different locations, both in hotel rooms, all victims robbed and all shot with the same pistol. It was an ominous realisation that sent shockwaves through law enforcement. They had a serial killer on their hands. The detectives were now faced with a daunting task, piecing together the timeline and the motive behind these horrific crimes while ensuring justice was served for all of the victims. And old mate, is it Timothy? Timmy. Yes. He ain't talking? He ain't talking. He's just sitting there, he knows he's... He knows he's done for, but mm-hmm. he just doesn't care. Oh, it's, yeah, it's people like this are narcissistic and they just, they don't, yeah, they don't care. Yeah. In November 2002, Timothy Carl Dawson faced trial for the murders of Gerald Shropshire, Ronald Gakowski, Philip Dover and Lateris Hawkins. Why so, why so long after it happened? This happened, that's four years after it happened. Because they have to build a case. Yeah. And like, they, like they're... Um, judicial system just takes forever. He would be in jail this whole time. Yeah. Like, not on bail, obviously, and they just have to build a case and then they have to find time for the trial and mm-hmm. all of this and that. Um, yes, so the prosecution painted a chilling picture of Dawson as a vicious homicidal predator who chose his victims at random. Mm-hmm. Their theory was deeply unsettling. It was suggested that Dawson had struck up a conversation with Philip in the hotel lobby and the two men had ridden the elevator to the 24th floor together. What followed was a nightmare. It appeared that the victims had let Dawson into their hotel room only for him to reveal a firearm order them to undress and lie between the two beds. He then collected their belongings before executing each of them one by one. The investigators felt confident about the facts and circumstances surrounding the case. There were compelling pieces of evidence that strongly pointed to Timothy Dawson as the perpetrator of these horrifying murders. Mm -hmm. When the trial began, Timothy maintained his innocence, pleading not guilty. Throughout the proceedings, he appeared emotionless, showing no empathy for the victims or their grieving families. His lack of reaction or remorse was chilling. As both sides delivered their closing arguments, many assumed that this would be an open and shut case. However, behind closed doors, the jury struggled with their deliberations. 
The four-person informed the judge that they couldn't reach a consensus or verdict. The judge instructed them... Shut up, Siri. (laughs) The judge uh, instructed them to continue deliberating. For three long days, the jury deliberated, grappling with the weight of the evidence. And finally, they reached a verdict. The jury unanimously found Timothy Carl Dawson guilty of all four homicides, concluding that the evidence proved his guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh When it came to sentencing, there was a snag, though. The defense argued that Timothy suffered from an emotional and mental defects that rendered him unable to appreciate the nature of his actions. The jury deliberated for several more days on these issues and ultimately decided that Timothy Carl Dawson would receive a sentence of life without the possibility of parole Mm -hmm. rather than the death penalty. For the families of the victims, there was a mix of relief and disappointment. Mm -hmm. While they wished for the death penalty, they found solace in knowing that Timothy Carl Dawson would be behind bars for life, unable to harm anyone else. For them, justice had been served, and that was enough to begin the process of healing from the tragedy that had shaken their lives to the core. In the shadows of this harrowing tale, we must remember that the true heart of the story lies with the victims and their families. Gerald Shropshire, Ronald Gukowski, Philip Dover and Lateris Hawkins were innocent lives cut short in a senseless act of violence. While justice was served, their loved ones lived lives were forever altered by this tragedy. We share these stories not to focus on the perpetrator, but to ensure that the memory of those who were lost endures. May their names live on as a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and a reminder of the importance of empathy and compassion in a world sometimes marked by darkness. And that was the case of the Hilton Hotel Murders. Wow. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was rolling all my things. Yeah, you were way No off. crazy ex, no drug cartels, just a random... Random act crazy, of violence. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, this, um, this Timothy guy that was... He'd been in trouble with the law a lot. Yeah. But they only got it, got him on these two. Could there have been more? Uh, well, yeah, these are the only two that mm-hmm. were similar. I mean, he yeah. could have murdered plenty of people. But yeah. these were just the only like two cases where yeah. they were shot in hotel rooms, execution style, in their underwear, kind of like same yep. kind of motive kind of thing. Man, it's so sad, hey? Yeah, like really just- sad. That sucks. Um, so you should not go away this weekend. Maybe I should. Well, I mean, tomorrow night. Or yeah, maybe. Mm. But I am. I'll just have to try my best not to. <laughs> Don't go down and get chips at two a.m. Well, I won't go down and get chips at two a.m. That's what room service is for. That's right. But at the same time, like nobody did anything wrong here. Yeah. They were just on a weekend away, trying to talk business and watch watch the game. Mm. You know. And it's just yeah, crazy. Like their their families find it hard to comprehend like how did yeah like they just went away for a weekend they're not bad people and it really was like just a bad series of unfortunate events that led them to that yeah anyway that was this week's case let me know what you guys think in the comments over on instagram or on youtube and if you haven't already Leave us a bloody review. Jesus Christ. How many times do I have to ask? Five stars. I feel like we're doing well. We've earned five stars now. It's time. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode and a little darling dish, which I'm so excited for. So if you've got a little darling dish that you want to send in, whether it's a story, good news, whatever, someone's birthday and you want us to shout them out, let us know. We want to hear it. We'll catch you guys next week. Tell me then.
Fucking idiot. Did I get it right? Bye, darlings. Oh, what's my line? <laughs> tell me next week. Oh, tell me next week. Jesus Christ. See what I have to deal with. See what I have to deal with. Tell me next week. <laughs> Peace Bye. out. Bye.